I'd like to acknowledge that I work on Mum in Development on Garrigal land and that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Also, a heads up that this episode contains some swearing for any little ears that may be around. Hey there, my name is Ellie Evangelista and I'm the host and creator of Mum in Development. I'm also one of two creators of Marcus, my son. In my journey of early motherhood, I just couldn't quite fathom how I was going to keep both my creative practice and my child alive. (laughs) Both things are so important to me and incredibly personal, seemingly a part of me, and yet both seem to continuously compete for the same parts of my brain and body. I know so many and I see so many working artists and mothers around me and I just thought, stuff it, I'll ask them how they're doing it. So on here, I don't ask all the usual mum podcast questions, but I hope you join me as I ask just one, how do you keep your creative practice and your child alive? Okay, here we are, episode three of Mum in Development. In today's intro, I am keeping Marcus occupied with some peanut butter and celery on my lap. So let's see if I can get through this. But today on Mum in Development, I speak to Matilda Ridgeway, or mostly known around as Tilly. Tilly is an actor, director, arts educator, theatre maker, and I, I actually say this on the podcast, but a real yes person in my mind. I have to deeply apologize for the sound in this episode. I had the microphone around the wrong way, so it's imbalanced for the first few minutes and you hear my voice very loudly, which you absolutely don't need more of. You need more of Tilly. (laughs) And so I'm so sorry about that, but it does get better a few minutes in. I'm working on it. I'm still learning and I'm still giving myself notes. So my apologies, but there were just some real bits of gold in the first few minutes that I just did not really want to edit out. We are also living next to a construction site, which was probably something that Tilly's son Felix would love. So apologies also for the potential bits of construction noise in the background. In this episode of Mum in Development, Tilly and I talk about, you know, she's an actor and her and I were working on a project together last year when I was at the end stages of my pregnancy. And we talk about the many different parents that were in the room and that impact that that had on me as someone who at that point was just emerging into parenthood. And she also mentions this idea, this notion of feast or famine, which I really love. I'm sure any freelance creatives listening to this um, will really resonate with that idea really, really strongly. There will be no explanation needed. So again, my apologies for the first few minutes. That was Marcus throwing the celery on the ground. Um, But again, apologies for the first few minutes of this podcast, but it's a 
I'm taking, I'm taking on my note and it means I won't ever do it again. So here we go. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think it's like, I think it's, uh, it's just always the weirdness when it's out of balance, I think. Mm. Like, um, you know, like, and I think because, you know, the first, you know, six to 12 months are so weirdly insane. (laughs) (laughs) What I used to describe it as, it's like a, um, it's like a weird endurance piece of theatre. Yeah. Where you're like playing a mother for (laughs) 24 hours a day. Five months. The season runs for five months minimum. Five months and then it gets extended. Yeah. Indefinitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just like so weirdly in that zone of also like for the first time, like. I mean, not that I know, I haven't had a second one yet, but she's on her way. <gasps> Stop it. Yeah. You're kidding. Tilly. Oh, my gosh. Big belly. Congratulations. Thanks, mate. So nice to do it twice. Congratulations. How are you feeling? Thanks. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. This is, it's been a funny, um, I'm still in that kind of, I mean, I'm in the third trimester now, but it's still been that lovely second trimester where you're like just oh. working and then occasionally you look down and she's kicking. Oh my gosh. And I go, oh, oh, that's right. I'm pregnant. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, like you're not quite to the bit where you're so tired that you're like, all you can think about is giving birth. Know, I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not yet there yet. I've just been like, and work is such a great distraction, isn't it? Mm. Like you're just sort of like, well, I have to just keep doing this thing because wow. like. <laughs> I'm just imagining you right now being so beautiful and open and like your beautiful open face and just having like a big belly as well. Just so nice. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And a girl. So nice. A little lady. But we've definitely moved into the, um, I'm definitely having to wear some pregnancy wear at this level of the pregnancy. Yep. Apart, my regular T-shirts aren't punning them anymore. Yep. No. Yeah. I found that really hard (laughs) where you're just like, I don't have long enough to fully invest in like proper I'm not gonna buy like things that I can only wear for maybe 10 more weeks but also nothing fits me I just have nothing I just have nothing so I'm just yeah and it's fine if you're just going from the house yeah but you've been out in the world (laughs) I have been out in the world yeah I did do this thing actually this time I was like oh I am going to be working and I am going to be you know Playing the role of a director for a couple of weeks and yeah. pretending that that's something that I have vast experience in. Doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I, I did go and get like a, I did go and get a maternity college shirt. Nice. You no. Know, yeah. And a pair of pants. Good. And it was like, there we go. Yep. Smart. You know, smart decisions. So smart. Yes. So that I could just like, you know, on the days when you need to feel like. You know, what does RuPaul say? If you want to be taken seriously, you wear a yeah. douche. Yeah, it's true. Um, on the days that I needed to be taken seriously, I could look like I was a professional businesswoman. Oh, my gosh, so official. 
I have started recording, just so you know. If you feel like you've said anything so far that you're like, oh, my gosh, do not tell people that <laughs> I bought a collared shirt that is detrimental to my my brand, um, please remove that. I will gladly. Until um, by the time this comes to air, I will have actually told my casts that this is the first thing I've ever directed professionally. Um I will tell them. But you have those skills. It's not out of your remit, I feel, at all. Yeah, I mean, I think this is like the kind of, um, I think I think it's something that I've, since being a mum, was like, oh, I think I can actually do this. Like I can actually give directions to people mm. and I can actually, when somebody is like not getting it, I can calmly and patiently, like with a toddler, just say, no, no, over here, over here. Mm-hmm. No, no, we're going over here. <laughs> yeah, because we're going over here. Yep. And that's why we're going over here. Yeah. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, yeah. which feels to me like a little bit of the director's skill set is mm. to be kind of like this is the direction that we're going in and like I gather you all together and even if you don't want to necessarily go in that direction, I'm quite happy to like calmly and patiently Try again. You to try again, yeah, mm. and to try with another analogy or to try with another method. Um, I think before having kids, I don't think I thought that that was something that I had, yeah, skills skills in. Mm. The transferable skills. Oh, Yeah, you were directing before baby. Oh, but, um, yes, I guess so. I guess I was, maybe. I was trying. I was, I guess I was um, running rooms perhaps more so. Um, and do, and the funny thing is you're saying this and I'm thinking of the flip side and I'm like, I don't know how to do that with my child though. <laughs> <laughs> like I could do that to a group of fully grown adults but one little tiny person who I'm responsible for I go oh I feel like I have um yeah I somehow don't have but maybe it'll come like you're saying like when he's older and a toddler those skills where I'm like you know what let's try this a different way oh yeah because his brain hasn't actually developed yet in terms of actually having to yeah to be able to negotiate with you correct or, and, like, actually, like, in the early days, you have to succumb to everything that he wants. Correct. <laughs> that's, the, that's kind of the, um, yeah, that's, it's the complete inverse of having a toddler. It's yeah. It's kind of being like, yeah. I think this is why it's important for me, even aside from this podcast, to talk to mums with older children because I need to remember that actually the rules are going to change so much and that day will come is coming ever closer every day (laughs) so yeah the rules are not (laughs) quite there where I'm like yeah I am I am at someone else's total will right now um still yeah I am so yes it is it is different but (laughs) I know it's so funny isn't it because like Felix is three and a half Mm. and I'm sure that the rules will change again Mm -hmm. but I have no idea what that will be Mm. very funny because I'm also doing this 
with like a three and a half year old with friends who've got four and six year olds and friends who've got eight year olds going. And then what happens? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you learn one whole dance and then you come in the next day and they're like, "Mm -hmm." and now the dance has changed completely. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, I've practiced all night. Seriously. I've, I've worked for yeah, it's interesting. That is actually the terminology we use in the house, which I kind of, yeah, I feel really naff saying this out loud. Um, <laughs> you don't have to. I'll tell you some naff things about how me and Larry care. <laughs> this feels really naff, but I think it's like the dance because it's so true. Like, Marcus crawls around and so to kind of combat that we just close the doors and we talk about it like okay so the new choreography now is when you leave you have to close the door and I say to my partner James I'm like okay so you we we're still working on the new choreography um <laughs> Is that when you're giving James feedback about not having remembered to Correct. I say we're still working on the Cori. Um, so we have just, you have notes and I have notes. So just so you know, we're working on it. Maybe tomorrow. Um, but that's why it feels naff because I'm like, here we are. We have to preset um, the nappy bag before we're going out the next day. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. yeah. The language. Oh, it's fascinating. It's so mm. wild because you've gone from having a completely different relationship with somebody to suddenly then being in this, like, you're right, like you are in a, a, a management, you're both in management <laughs> suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You suddenly, like, you know, uh, director and choreographer or whatever. Or, yeah. You know, director and writer or producer or something. Like there's some kind of, like, you're suddenly there with these people going, Okay, well, we're <laughs> have check-ins about it. Oh, oh, mate. Yeah. We have, um, me and Larry have this tradition, actually it started when I was about six months pregnant, where whenever we were on a road trip, we listen to, uh, <laughs> we listen to parenting books as an audio book. <laughs> you listen to parenting books as an audio book. Yep. We listen to audio books that are parenting books and mainly they're by this guy called Dan Siegel um, who wrote a book called The Whole Brain Child and then he's written a bunch of other ones. And we, that's what we do. That's how naff we are. We sit in the car <laughs> on a long road trip and then we pause at various moments and have little discussions about what yeah. Dan has just taught us about parenting. Yeah. And then we we go, ah, are you finished? Should we go back to the podcast now? <laughs> yep, okay. And then we play the podcast again. That's, that's the wild life that we lead. Yeah. Is, um, yeah. Like yeah. I don't remember what I used to listen to in the car. <laughs> and I feel like that's one of those things, again, that people don't tell you is like just so you know, whenever you go in the car ever again, it won't yeah. ever be in silence. Like you're never just going to just drive away and calmly listen to your favourite music. Um, you are either going to be having a screaming child or be looking yeah. back at your sleeping child just to check that they haven't like, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Totally. Yeah. Somehow something has happened. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, my other friend had a really good tip, which was his daughter used to request the wiggles all the time. Mm-hmm. So he used to just play talking heads whenever mm-hmm. she requested the wiggles. Mm-hmm. And then it took her oh, quite a while, apparently, to understand that the talking heads were not the wiggles. <laughs> um, Trick job. <laughs> but it meant that he didn't have to listen to children's music. No mm-hmm. shame on the wiggles. Um, but it meant that he didn't have to listen to children's music uh, for a little bit longer before mm-hmm. he had to finally succumb, which I thought was quite smart. Um, we've tried that a couple of times with Felix. It's no when success. He's requested kids' music. Actually, no, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. We are firmly into a uh, Disney musicals phase at the moment. Yep. But that is that is okay. Yeah. That's okay. It definitely could be worse. It could totally be worse. Yeah. Uh, and it's like new skills that I have that I know all the lyrics to the Frozen soundtrack I was is probably say. something that could potentially <laughs> yeah. come in handy at some point in my life, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I feel like now if any child I see does a knock, I have yeah. to go, do you want to build a snowman? Like. You know, and that's just what happens next. You've got a Pavlovian response. I do. That is what naturally comes in my brain. That is, that's what this kid thinks happens. I don't even have a seven-year-old or anything. No. This is what happens. I should give you the opportunity as well to tell people about yourself. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, My name is Matilda Ridgway. Uh, People call me Tilly. And I have been an actor, director, arts educator, theatre maker for the last 15-odd 15 15 odd years. Um, I went to a drama school here in Australia called The Ensemble that doesn't exist anymore and I trained over in America uh, at the Atlantic Theatre Company and with uh, City Company, which is a physical theatre company that does viewpoints and Suzuki training. And then mm-hmm. I went over to Philippe Gollier and did clowning in Paris. And, yeah, I work across film and TV and theatre. And, yeah, that's me. Yeah. One thing I've always secretly but now it won't be such a secret loved when I should have just told you this um watching you work is you are really physical um yes which I love (laughs) I really love that about the way you work you are very like you're keen to get dirty Yes. It's a funny thing. I don't think I was that person when I came out. My drama school was like a method Stanislavski drama school. And I, I sort of was three years of a lot of talking heads scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very aware that it was not something that I had practiced for a long time. And so I was quite deliberate about wanting to train with physical theatre companies. Mm. So um, that was a big thing. Similarly, like I knew that we just didn't have a very good, like oh, it sounds like I'm just really uh, putting shit on my old school. I loved my old school. There was so much about my old school that I loved, mm. but we didn't do a lot of film either and I mm-hmm. knew I didn't have a lot of experience there. So I had to go and do a lot of 
student films to get some skills mm. so that I just felt comfortable around a camera and things like that. But yeah, it wasn't something that I think I was necessarily naturally skilled at, you yeah. know, I think it was something that I had to think about quite deliberately because I'd spent three years not doing it, mm. you know? Yeah. I've, I feel like in a similar way, I went to Whopper for dance and then I feel like I spent the next three years after that unlearning almost everything <laughs> And not in a way to shit on my old school either. Like, of course, you learn so much and it is a really, like, technique-based training place. Yep. But then, mm-hmm. yeah, spent a whole lot of time after that going, oh, my gosh, there are so many other ways out there as well. So and yeah. gaps, gaps perhaps of, you know, they, I guess they can't teach you everything. Um, but yeah, I also feel the same, but that's one thing I've always noticed about you and, um, secretly, but not so secretly now admired about you (laughs) is that you are always keen to get, yeah, dirty is my word for it. And I mean that in a, a compliment, obviously, like you're happy to get (laughs) hands on and gritty and yeah, it's, it's really inspiring to watch you know it brings up ideas and um yeah yeah thanks Uh, that's so lovely it's the truth as well and another thing (laughs) yeah when I was thinking about this podcast and I was thinking I know so many working creative mums even though I feel like we're all kind of doing it in secret but I know they're doing it doing it in secret they're all doing it in secret somehow somehow there are mothers in this room that have children at home and we're all in this room and then you know the last time we worked together I was heavily pregnant and suddenly all these people with babies are suddenly talking to me and I'm like oh my gosh here they all are these secret creative mums and I just now think back and remember how you would come into rehearsal, which was always really calmly. <laughs> no joke. You would just be calm and ready to work and be a real yes person. And I just go, I just, like, how are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> I just think back now and go, you must have lived five mornings by the time you arrived. At 10. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. How? How? Tell me. How? Mm. Tell us. That's such a great question. I think that thing that you said about the secret life or whatever is so interesting because it feels like sometimes we have this idea about the arts, which is like all artists, that kind of Virginia Woolf, a room of one's own. Like the idea that you can make the best way to make art is without distractions and without like with being able to be in a space that's really focused and it's kind of how we run our rehearsal rooms, right? Mm. Like people aren't allowed to just walk in, Mm. you know. No phones um, or whatever. No phones, one conversation in the room. We all want to be just kind of like sitting and focusing and quiet and that's so different from... (laughs) 
parent life and yeah. like carer life too because there's a lot of people who have caring responsibilities that are not you just know, parenting for, not parenting but for yeah. you know for other family members or or you know elderly parents or grandparents or whatever mm. um and it's the same thing where suddenly you are interrupted you are forced to <laughs> especially you know especially in those with little kids, like you are forced to completely put aside whatever you are doing and like, oh, I mean, you're not forced to, but it's kind of the path of least resistance yeah. to <laughs> give your focus over to somebody else to really just, um, and like sometimes it's because it's life-threatening, you know, like sometimes yeah. it's because they're wielding a knife or they're, they've yeah. got their hand near a pot or yeah, electrical plug. Yeah. And you can't sort of say, don't interrupt mummy now. She's <laughs> she's on a creative role, you know, because. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the flow, Felix. I'm just. Yeah, yeah. Felix, babe, like yeah. sit down. Yeah. Um, you know, you kind of have to do that. Um, and I am super lucky that I have uh, a partner who is very much a co-parent. And that I have a mum that is like around and, you know, siblings and Larry's parents are around in a way that is like very supportive so that I can, you know, that they will go and do daycare pickups um, mm. if I'm working until six, which is what's been happening the last three weeks. I've had to have various other family members do Saturdays with Felix and my mum's done a pick up one day of the week for daycare and Larry's moved his work around so that I can um, not have to shift my rehearsal schedule. So there's lots of things there that is like a lot of people coming and helping and doing it, um, which is great. But then also weirdly, to be honest with you, the first, when Felix was born, it was September 2019 mm-hmm. and my kind of I guess maternity leave inverted commas <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I'm sure you know like we we I got the 18 weeks from the government or whatever which was awesome uh, but that was kind of drawing to a close just as COVID, uh, COVID was happening mm. so and all my work for 2020 uh, got uh, wiped mm. and I had bits and pieces of work, obviously, across 2020 and uh, across 2021, um, but it was not like what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So by the time by the time we were working on uh, the rep, I hadn't worked for, you know, almost two years full mm-hmm. time, and so I had a real need (laughs) for the work and a real desire to be in that space Mm. and and I had a real thirst for it so um yeah you know you like you do you wake up at 6 a.m you're doing breakfast things you're doing all that kind of stuff and then you're in to work at 10 a.m and you have been up for you know, a day, uh, half a day. Yeah. And when you go home at night, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're rushing through the door to do story time or bath time or whatever it is so that you can at least get a little bit of time with your kid and then you eat 
and then you do the Lord. And then, you know, so you do have this weird alternative book ending that was vastly different to how I used to, how rehearsals used to be for me. Mm. Um, but I had such a desire to make it work that, um, and I had so much support around me to make it work. So many people who know, <clears throat> pardon, who knew how uh, much it had cost me to not be creative for two years. Mm. They were very um, supportive in helping me to do that. That's yeah. amazing. And I really mm. feel like, yeah, I, I honestly think back to that time and that is my memory of you being so open and like a, a real yes person, a real team player. And I just think back and go, how? <laughs> now that I know what's involved, in... <laughs> I am partly like, I have no idea how anyone's been getting to a rehearsal, but, um, and let alone doing the job. And do you ever think about, like, you might have had it as well since then, and I'm sure you have, and because you were working on other things amongst that you were working on a TV show through that mm. as well. And like, so do you ever think, like sometimes I think about just say a season, if you were to do a full blown theater season that is mm-hmm. co- consistent, like maybe six weeks of late nights. Mm. Do you ever think about that? Like do you ever think about where a a line might be drawn where you're like I actually can't do that because unfortunately the mum cup is more of a priority right now than filling up this this other creative cup of mine or? Yes. Yeah, I mean it's so interesting. I mean it's not like... (laughs) I mean, it's so funny, isn't it? Because it's rare, I think, as artists, there's a kind of, I mean, maybe for other people, but not for me, you know, when people are like, why did you take this job? And you're like, they offered it to me. (laughs) (laughs) They got in touch. (laughs) They got in touch and I had nothing else. And so I took this job. Yeah. Um, You know, like there's sometimes this idea that we, you know, and it's just that funny thing, isn't it, where it is feast or famine, mm. where you do either suddenly, you know, and it's so funny that it's happened to me in this pregnancy again mm. that, uh, you know, you sort of, uh, yeah, I didn't work, I, ha- I haven't done a, um, I haven't acted in a full season of a show for, since 2019. Mm-hmm. And then across this pregnancy, there's been two shows that I've had to say, I don't think I can actually do that because I will have a newborn. Mm. And when it was just theoretical that I would just have a toddler, I was like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, no worries. Like, I think I'm in a space now where I can do that. And, you know, I obviously talk to my partner and say, what would this look like? Mm. You know, could you... You know, yeah, the take, practicalities of it all. Yeah. yeah. Can, could you take afternoons off to do the pickups? I could obviously do, do drop-offs because I'll be around in the mornings. But We'll never see each like. other, but one of us will see the kid, but us two will never see each other. <laughs> For six weeks, yeah, yeah. totally. You know, yeah. we'll have 
we'll have Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings and Monday nights and that's it. Mm. Um, Would that work for you for six weeks? Mm. Um, And you do have to kind of have that conversation. But I think it's like for me the idea of doing those things with a newborn, I was like, nah, no, sad, so sad, like two shows that I would have really loved to do. But both of them at a time when I was like, no, I can't, I can't do that. Um, That's, that's crazy. And that's so funny because it's like, you know, the idea of turning down work seems ludicrous. Seems so mental when you've been in a drought. (laughs) But that's kind of, that's kind of the way it is, isn't it? Like it's, um, I think it's always up for negotiation because you have these two incredibly um, rich and fulfilling things that uh, call your attention and require some focus and some juggling. And sometimes somebody used used this thing about um, dropping balls, dropping. Mm-hmm. Have you heard this one about the dropping balls? Yes, vaguely. Please, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So it's this this thing about like you can't keep all the balls in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, every day, a certain amount of balls are going to drop out of your hand, mm. and. Uh, and what you the difference is to know which ones are glass balls and which ones are rubber balls that are going to bounce. Yeah. And it's not to say that my career is always a glass ball or my child is always a glass ball. Yeah. But to say sometimes my child needs this from me because of, you know, a variety of different things. And therefore they are a glass ball. Yeah. You know? Um today or this next month, they're a glass ball or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And or my partner is a glass ball or, you know, my health is a glass ball today and mm. and that then other times the work is so important and it's so, um, you know, is it such a sensitive stage of what, what's happening that it's the glass ball today mm. and everything else has to be, has to kind of fit around that. Mm. Um, and it can't be like that all the time. Otherwise I think... We you, drop everything. <laughs> yeah, well, also, like, you just wouldn't, if, if, if your career is always a glass ball, then, like, you're not going to want to do parenting. Yeah. Because there's got to be times when you've got to drop it. And yeah. I remember a, a teacher, uh, Les Chanteray, who does a whole bunch of really amazing film. Uh, he's this, like, film guru. Uh, he's so good at film. Mm-hmm. And... He was saying that he thinks that sometimes people get better at auditioning when they have kids because they just, uh, they don't care as much. Mm. They're not overthinking it. And on camera, they just look so kind of, um, they're so authoritative with mm. what they've given. They, they're not second guessing. They go, I have, t- <laughs> I have 20 minutes to put this self tape down. <laughs> this I'm is doing my first once. instinct. This is my first instinct. And I'm going to back myself. Yeah. Because it's taken so long to set the camera up and I've just got the baby down and you know, I either Yeah. I either do this or I don't. And there's not this kind of you know, spending half a day going Let's try again. Yeah. 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 And and second guessing yourself and all this kind of stuff. You just kind of go, here it is. This is it. I'm a bit tired. I'm a bit shitty. Yeah, this was the best take and I've only taken one, so too bad. Like I'm sending it in. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's something that you gain from having a full, rich life and having lots of things in it that um, 
that are like cups that are full for you or whatever. Um, just like some people really like being in their room and just focused on their one thing. Yeah. I've been, you know, I think some of the stuff you said is kind of the crux of why I wanted to have these discussions because unlike a lot of other jobs, this notion of feast and famine is really (laughs) (laughs) selective to, you know, the people that know it. People, when when you've said feast or famine, the people out there who know will be like, I understand, (laughs) say no more, I get it. And it is that notion that makes these decisions on this balance really tricky because we are a lot of factors go into saying yes or saying no or I feel like a lot of the time it is working backwards and it is just okay I just need to talk about the practical steps of this what hours will they be how long will it be Am I working on a Saturday? Is it a half day on a Saturday? Is yes. <laughs> and I feel yes. like that is sometimes the total opposite of how you'd like to work creatively. Mm, yes, to totally. be like, okay, I actually need really strict parameters. It's so interesting actually. And I was, uh, I was at the theatre last night and I, was, I, was, uh, I saw some people who'd made the show afterwards, and one of them said, oh, you know, we do get along as a cast, but we don't hang out. And I said, well, that's because your two leads are parents. Mm. And and I said, they're there and they're wanting to do a great job and they are so committed, but as soon as it clock, like as soon as it turns 6 p.m. or they as soon as go. the show finishes, <laughs> they've got to go, dude. Like yeah. They've got a whole, you know, there's no hanging around for a couple of beers. Like it's just not, um, I mean, and maybe that will change when Felix is a bit older and that, you know, I don't know, like maybe that will come back again. I'm still in the toddler land mm. where it's like I'm going to get woken up at 6 a.m. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know. On a good day, I'll get waking up at six. On a good day, you know, there's no way that, I'm so sorry, cast member, but there is no way that a beer with you is going to be better Mm. than the possibility of eight hours of sleep, (laughs) you know? Like I just, as much as I love you, like that's what's at stake for me. And if I don't get eight hours, then the rest of my day is topsy-turvy, you know? And, and, uh, yeah, I think that the sort of that I think and that's the weird thing about the 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 kind of practicalities or the the way that we've felt like we've had to do it in secret, I think is mm. um you know, I felt like on the show that we were working on, it was so great that there were so many parents in that room yeah. who were very open and vocal about being parents and the commitments that were required of them as parents. And that sometimes they needed to get there late because, because. you know, just because. Yeah. And sometimes they had to leave early just because. And that was so great. I feel like it creates a permission structure in the room mm-hmm. for everyone to be like, well, I'm not, I, I am allowed to leave at six. Yeah. Um, I'm not required <clears throat> to stay around. To hang around and to yeah. do do this thing, like I am, 
you know, and, and obviously theatre is such an amazing community and you do make such wonderful friends and, um, you know, the beer at the end of the week or whatever is so, can sometimes be so lovely to, to even just chat obliquely about the work and to enrich it in ways that mm. are not in the room. But, you know, there's so many people with so many different requirements mm-hmm. and um, and I think it's, it's good that we create a, a structure where, you know, you don't have to do that thing and you are allowed to turn up a bit late. Because otherwise the alternative is if we don't, if we don't feel that we're allowed to say, you know, I need to change my rehearsal schedule. I need to, I need to start at nine and finish at five rather than 10 till six because yeah. I have parenting commitments or, you know, I don't want to do a Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm happy for them to run lines on a Saturday. I'm happy, you know what I mean, but I can't do that. Like, I think it, it, it's sort of important that we do that and have that kind of uncomfortable conversation because otherwise the work is always going to be people who are um, split-minded, tired. Yes, I, or, or, or the alternative, which is that people are going to just keep casting people or the people who are going to be allowed to make work or, or, you know, are going to be people who don't have any life experience of being carers and of having other responsibilities. And that seems to me to be like where it can become problematic is if you're making work that's supposed to reflect the whole of humanity, if we don't have a diversity of voices in the room and you don't make space for a diversity of voices in the room, then it's going to become more and more isolated and and um, speak less and less for the majority of people. Yeah. I think back to the project we worked on together and, again, like I was at the late stages of my pregnancy and yeah. It was really vocal about the needs in the room and I loved that. I think it was really, I'd never seen that before. Yeah. What you're saying about it being this unspoken, this secret thing. I had never um, seen women, to be mm. quite frank, being like this is what I, this is, this is just, this is the reality of me turning up to work today and um. It was inspiring. Again, it was really inspiring because when you are, I don't want to say younger, but maybe when you are still trying to find your feet, you can be afraid to have that conversation. (laughs) Yeah, I think that is inherent in our industry because of the feast or famine, because it's itinerant work, Mm. because we don't have work stability, there is a tendency for young people to, I mean, there's a tendency for all of us to overcommit because we know how scarce the work is, because we're vulnerable. We are financially vulnerable. um, We are creatively vulnerable. And so, yeah, it it is uh, incumbent on those of us who are older, I think, or who have some, <laughs> not that I have like standing in the industry or something, but like I've been working for 15 years. And so now mm-hmm. it's at a time where I go, it's not, I'm trying to reframe it for myself mm-hmm. as that, like the youthfulness that I had, which was, I will go and see every single show. <laughs> I will do every unpaid reading. I will do every, you know, send in an audition tape to everything, just Yes, because I'm just so hungry to work. 
I'm not in that space anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not in that space anymore because I have other things in my life and the idea of my job is not the um I love my job. I love my job so much, but my job doesn't define me as a person mm-hmm. anymore. And I think it's important to model that for people who are coming up through the industry because our industry does have a tendency to kind of burn people out who are young and idealistic and willing to work in conditions that are um, not actually okay. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of statistics, um, you know, the MEAA stuff on bullying and sexual harassment and mental health um, kind of bears that out. That's not just me kind of being, woe is me. We, we have an incredible industry, but the, the nature of the work is has a mental and emotional toll. And if we don't allow people to have full life outside of it, yeah. we're continuing to isolate them and make them um, more and more um, vulnerable mm. to work that is, you know, potentially um, emotionally disturbing. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, destabilizing. Yeah. It, and it was definitely um, that that example was really set in that room about, yeah, the stuff that we've talked about. And as someone who was entering early, like on the verge really of mm. early parenthood, hearing that and seeing that really modelled and actioned was really impactful and also a good reminder, I guess, with what you're saying because it does feel that thing, this kind of feast or famine nature that if (laughs) I say no to work because I have a newborn baby, I'm just never going to work again, right, (laughs) which is not the truth at all. And so seeing all these other working parents in the room going, you know what, it will come. It will, yeah. come, it will come again. Um, yeah. I'm conscious of the time, but oh, yes. I'm going to ask you the one question Please. of the podcast, which we've kind of already answered and talked about. <laughs> I always feel like I just should ask it because it is the question of it all, but yeah. Tilda Ridgeway, Tilly Ridgeway, how do you keep your creative practice and your child slash children to be alive? Mm-hmm. Um, um, well, uh, I think they are the, mm, this is such a great question. I think they are such great sources of pleasure in my life that it is mostly, I would say, like 80% of the time, the it's like a joy to keep them alive. You know, I'd say about 80% of the time, it's like, you know, it's like I go out into my garden or whatever and I'm like, oh, look, the tomato plant has a little flower on it or the passion fruit flower has become a fruit today. Like, there's so much joy in the observation of it that you just naturally are like, let me water you, let me weed you, let me prune, like because you get so much, um, yeah, like joy, just just pleasure, like I'm just following my pleasure. And then I would say about 20% of the time, <laughs> 20% of the time I've got this theory at the moment 
which is about this idea that I being a grown up or being an adult or something is about living according to your values. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that sounds really simple and really stupid, but like sometimes when something happens and you're feeling like it's really uncomfortable or it's really painful or um, it's upsetting in some way that some of that is just my ego mm-hmm. going, oh, this should have been easier or I I don't want to believe that I'm the kind of person that can't do this or I don't want to believe that, um, you know, like oftentimes if Felix does something really crazy, it's because I've done something like I've left a knife out or I've left a, you know, and it's actually not him that I'm angry at. I'm angry at myself that I didn't get to the potty in time. So now he's wiped shit everywhere. Like it's not his <laughs> yeah. fault that he's wiped shit everywhere. Yeah. He's a dubbler. He's mm-hmm. like, that could be paint, um, mm-hmm. you know, and and I'm actually annoyed at myself that I didn't get to it or I didn't, I didn't kind of achieve it or something. And then like once I just go, Ah, well, that's just my first response mm. is is that I'm upset. Uh, and now that I've had my first response and I'm allowed to feel those feelings, what do I want to, how do I want to behave? Yeah. You know, and the fact is I want to keep working as an artist and I want to be a mum. And like as long as I have that desire to keep doing those two things, I want to keep doing them. And because they do just give me so much pleasure. And so when it's tough, you kind of have to do that thing where you're a bit like, well, I've, you know, feel the feelings and then go and now put my big girl pants on and (laughs) live according to what my values are, which Mm. is, you know, clean up the mess or apologize for being late or, you know, whatever. Like, oh, sorry, I'm really tired. I've said your name wrong three times Mm. to my poor actor because I've, you know, I'm tired and I've got baby brain. But you just have to kind of sit there and go, yeah, that was really terrible. I'm so, so sorry. I'll buy you hot cross buns tomorrow or whatever. You know, like I just, what are you going to do? Like you just can't, (laughs) um, I just have to apologize and try and do better. Mm. But I'm not going to not show up because then uh, like I've done, I've done the, I've done just trying to do one thing and it doesn't feel good. Mm. So for now, we're just going to try and do both. Mm. Um, yeah. Does that sort of answer the question? I think it answers it in a remarkable way, oh. to be honest. <laughs> this idea of, and, and I, I think part of the crux of why I think about this and this question is because as much as there is, as much as they compete for the same things I feel for me in my body and my brain that I know they also lend each other, they lend themselves to each other in so many different ways as well. Like you're talking about the acting and going there's a there's a difference, there's a sense of authority mm. and a sense of not carelessness but confidence perhaps mm. um, that you only get after the experience and you're talking about running a room going I can do this 12 different ways yeah to find a way that works is only a skill that you have from not only but is a skill that is honed at home (laughs) yes 
Oh, I mean, I the patience that I have developed mm. since becoming a parent and the the like it's clarified things too. You mm. know, there's nothing like kind of changing nappies or heating up bottles of milk or, or pureeing food to make you go, hmm, well, what would I rather be doing? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's you true. know, if I had my druthers, you know, like where else would I like to be, you yeah. know, or for me at the moment, I've, you know, it's been 20 minutes watching a construction site. What would I rather be watching? Yeah. How can I make that a possibility? Like how can I engineer this so that I can, <laughs> so that I can see a piece of theatre, you know, In and, this. and, yeah, and, and also that I can also make time for myself, that I can go one night a week and go and see a show so that I'm not feeling like that I have to, you know what I mean, like that I can I can sit here and watch your construction site, Felix, and then tonight I can go and see The Goat or tonight I can go and see Macbeth. And, you know, like, I, like I've got to have the things that are for me because otherwise I'll go mental. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the career is often a sort of thing where you go, especially for two years of not working, I was like, ooh, there is a itch. part of me that is like so thirsty, mm. you know, just mm. parched. Mm. And you can't live like that, I think. No. Oh, I think you're a legend. Oh, Robert, that's your mate. Oh, I, think- I can't wait to listen to this and hear all the beautiful people that you've got on it. Thank I'm so you. excited. <laughs> what a terrific thing to do. I think so. Um, yes. Yeah, it is. It's also, I feel, because it is these secret conversations, right? There are all these. Yeah. We don't talk about practice generally. Creative practice is often something that is done everywhere, but nobody is really talking about how we do it let alone, I guess, how people you know, and motherhood in a separate sphere is a very secret, isolating kind of um, individual experience. And then when you go, okay, but how do I do both of these things that are literally, they're a part of my identity. I am me. You are you because you have a deep love and care for both of these parts of your life, for these two precious balls, even if they're made of rubber or glass, they're precious, irregardless. Mm. They're they're balls that have to exist. And so how are we marrying and doing these two that are very um, bouncy, (laughs) for lack of a... It's such a great mashing of the two of the things together because I think they're both things that have previously been thought of as being natural or intrinsic correct yeah (laughs) you know and that um and that to examine them would be um you know would be weird or to like provide uh other people with like discussions about it would be weird and and actually when you do talk about it and somebody goes oh well I do that completely differently Mm. to go and that's fine (laughs) you know like to go oh that doesn't mean that I'm less of a parent or that I'm less of a creative just because you approach it completely differently Mm. like I think the the concept of natural also makes us then think of 
unnatural, Wrong. right? Yeah. That's the problem. Exactly. Mm. Whereas it's like there's a hundred ways to skin a cat. Mm-hmm. Terrible, terrible phrase. <laughs> yeah. There are a hundred ways yeah. to start a play maybe or something. Yes. <laughs> To and learn a hundred ways dance. to take care of a baby. And a hundred ways. And yeah. again, I think that is as much as I thought of it, I was like as much as, yeah, as they feel like they um, subtract from each other, I know that there is a complement as well, that there are so many skills from creative life when we do know there are so many ways to begin a dance, a bajillion, yeah. that that is also applicable to parenting and motherhood. I'm being quite specific, I feel, with my intention that it is motherhood, but Get yep. to parenting and to caring. Um, so yeah, I we'll see. We'll see. It's just yeah, yeah. discussions. But thank it's, you. It's also that thing of framing it too, which is that like if they're always in competition, it, like if you look at it and they're always going to be in competition with each other, then whenever you're giving to one child, you're taking away from the other. Yeah. You know? Whereas somebody said to me the other day, every time you have another child, it's like a baby arrives. They bring the love with them from wherever they come from. They just come with their own love. So you're not ever taking love away Mm. from your partner or taking love away from the first baby. Mm. The baby will come with the love that Mm. you need to give to them. And then you're just like, oh, wow. It's like ever expanding amounts of love, Mm. you know, ever expanding amounts of richness. That's so nice. Such. Such a good chat with Tilly. I forgot to mention at the intro that analogy of juggling balls up in the air, the ones that are glass, the ones that are rubber. I love that thing of, you know, it's either break or bounce, (laughs) which seems extreme. Excuse me while I pause for Marcus, which seems extreme but also quite honest. Um, On that note, that's him crawling on the floor now. I'm being transparent, you know, how, how do I manage both? This is how I have to, I'm recording as he is pushing just anything in his sight out of the way. But back to it, I really do love that the ball analogy and also what she said about, again, feast or famine, and also that she's just following her pleasure. I know that that's a hard one, but I used to really, because there are just so many practicalities involved when you have someone you're caring for, but I loved it because it was, it reminded me that actually that was almost following my pleasure was almost like a self motto I had for myself before having a baby. I almost used to live by that just by following intuitively what I thought felt really good and felt really joyful and what added pleasure to my life. And it's just been a really nice reminder for me about reprioritizing and reframing and I guess recalibrating now that my child's approaching one. I also take on board that that idea of sometimes, you know, doing the things like the purying or the nappying <laughs> really confirms for you what you'd actually rather be doing. And this is the crux of it all. I really do love being creative. I also every day I'm loving being a mum more and I'm trying to figure out how to do both in a way that I'd like to. So thank you, Tilly, for your time and for all those wonderful insights. I just wish you all the best for the arrival of your little lady. And again, thanks to you for listening. 
like, subscribe, or give us a rating on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast on. But because motherhood and creative practice are both ultimately collaborative, I'd really love you to share this podcast or this episode with somebody who you think would enjoy it too. See you next time for another episode of Mum in Development.